James chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13 today. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Today we're going to continue our study, uh, the fruit of the lips. And so uh, we have been talking about uh, the fruit God produces in our lives. And so, so far we've talked about uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and we spent several weeks on the fruit of the Spirit. We looked at the fruit of righteousness, and what is the fruit of righteousness. And uh, we've already started exploring the fruit of the lips. And uh, so, the, uh, I guess a couple of weeks now, the week before uh, Mother's Day, uh, we talked about the fact that uh, there are reasons in which we should bring God glory. All right? There are reasons in which we should bring God glory glory. And so uh, we looked at uh, those items. Uh, First of all, God is worthy of our worship and glory alone because He is creator and giver of life. If you remember when we covered that, and then He's also a loving God who cares for His creation. He is a God who provides for His creation, and He is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. And so if there is any deity in heaven to be worshipped, it's not saints, it's God. God is the one to be worshipped. And so when we started this, uh, this study, we looked at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, and so this is a way of reminder. Uh, it says this, through him that let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledges His name. And so when we started off that conversation, we said that God desires our worship, God deserves our worship, and we actually said that our tongue can either bring blessing or it can bring trials. And so what we did is we went back uh, to the covenant, the covenant with God in Israel. And so this is Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is Moses speaking, and he says this, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you, for the Lord your God is in, uh, in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. And so when we looked at that, we said, you know what? Our tongues can either bring God glory or they can bring uh, really trials and problems in our life. And, and when we went through that study, we actually very briefly looked at James. And so we're actually going to be going there uh, for a little bit more today because we do want to study this idea of uh, the tongue and speech and the lips. And really the question today is how, if, if we are designed for His glory, how do we use our lips to bring Him glory? And so here in James, James definitely tells us that there are ways in which we can, can really dishonor the Lord with our lips, but he also says there are ways that we can honor the Lord with our lips. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. How do we honor the Lord with our lips? And so I'll have you stand out of respect uh, for God's Word. We're just going to read just a, um, a handful of verses today. And so again, this is James chapter 5. Starting in verse 13, and it says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let they pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if he has committed sins... He will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Let's go ahead and stop there. We'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do thank you for your word. Thank you that you are actively playing a part in our life as Christians, that we are not orphans, that we have a heavenly Father who is working through our lives. You are developing things in our lives, and there are things that you desire to have in our life that would bring you glory. And so, Lord, we looked at some of those things already, that that fruit of the Spirit, that fruit of righteousness. We've already started to explore uh, who you are and that you are worthy of our praise alone. But, Lord, now as we 
travel here to James chapter 5, we pray that we would use our speech, our lips, our mouths, our tongues to bring you glory. Lord, there are many hurtful things said in the world today, but Lord, allow those things not to come from our mouths as we are followers of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, again, we pray you would meet with us, help us to bring you glory in our speech and with our lips. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Once while John Wesley was, was preaching, he noticed a lady uh, up front uh, that was known for her critical attitude. And all through the message, he, he kept noticing that uh, she was staring at his tie. Well, after the uh, message was done, that, that lady came up to him and, and confronted him, and she said, Mr. Wesley, those strings on your tie are much too long. It's an offense to me. And so Wesley, he, uh, he, he asked around, he said, does anybody have a pair of scissors in their purse? And so he was able to get a, a, a pair of scissors, and he said, Madam, will you trim off these offensive strings? And so she trimmed up all of those strings, made, er made everything look nice again. And uh, he said, are you all done? And she said, yes, things are back in order. And he said, well, he said this, then let me give you, uh, let me take the shears and talk to you about something. You know, if you don't mind, you have a little correction as well. I must tell you, madam, your tongue is an offense to me, and it is too long. Stick it out so that I can trim it for you. Now, of course, that's not, it's not a way to make friends, but it is a way to get a point across, right? On another occasion, someone said to Wesley, my talent is to speak my mind. Wesley's reply was, that's one talent that God wouldn't care if you took and buried. I know that is some good advice for us as Christians because oftentimes we don't control our tongues. And so as James is speaking here, he gives it to us very clearly when he talks about the tongue. And this is James chapter 3 in verse 9 that says this, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And so he's, he's saying this, you know what? We are so easy to praise God with our tongue. But then when it comes to one another, we curse those that are made in God's image the image bearers of God. He says this in verse 10, for the same mouth comes blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And so we know our tongue causes problems. And so James in, in, in chapter 3 he wants to give us several illustrations. He wants to kind of hit this idea home. And so the very first illustration he gives us is the bit, and this is in James 3.3. 3. I'm not going to read the verse for the sake of time. But the bit is the idea of the bit in a, a, a horse's mouth. Now, a horse is a very strong animal. You can put a lot on a horse, and a, a horse can carry a lot. Not only that, but an unbridled horse can run a quarter mile in 25 seconds. And so a horse is really just, just powerful. But you put a, a bit in a horse's mouth, and you put someone on the back of a horse that knows what they're doing, and they can literally make a horse dance, even though that horse is so strong and so powerful, someone on the back of a horse with experience can literally make that horse dance. The second illustration he gives us is the rudder. 
And that's in the very next verse. That is in verse 4. And he talks about these big ships. They're traveling long distances. And how are they controlled? They're controlled by a little rudder on the back of that ship. And that little rudder changes their course. And so he gives us a, a second illustration, first of that, that bit, second of all of that rudder. And that third illustration he gives us is of fire, and he gives that to us in, in verse 5. So in verse 5, he, he, he communicates the idea that fire can be a good thing, but a fire out of control can be a very bad thing. And of course, here in California, we're used to the idea of forest fires. We know the damage that they can do. You know, uh, back in 2013, there was the Rim Fire, and that was right in, the, in our backyard, nonetheless, uh, of our previous church. And so there were, there were people in our church uh, that at night, they could actually look out their back door, and they could actually see the light from the flames. There were other people that were actually, um, they left their homes, and they took all of their animals. Matter of fact, we had, I think it was a couple of horses at the church for a little while, uh, because there was a, a family that was so close to the fire, and when I say so close, I mean the, 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 um, the firefighter trucks were parked in the driveway of their home. That's how close the fire was to them. Now, the rim fire, as it burned, guess how much it burned? It consumed 257,000 acres. I don't know if that's the biggest fire. I did not look that up. But it was a fire that was close to us. And you know how many square miles that is? That is 402 square miles that was consumed in the, in the rim fire. That burned part of Yosemite and that moved close to where our uh, church family was there in Sonora, California. But you know how that little fire started? Well, this is what they believe. They believe there was a hunter out, uh, a bow hunter, and he was out there hunting. And he started a little fire to burn his trash. And that trash uh, blew and caught a fire and it got out of control. And that's what ended up burning 257,000 acres. Now that fire within a, within a, 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 um, a fire pit or a fire circle can be a good thing. It, it can create warmth. Matter of fact, a little bit later on, we're going to go to Elk Grove. We're going to start a fire in a barbecue. We're going to roast hot dogs and hamburgers. A fire in a fireplace is beautiful. It's to enjoy. But we're also reminded that fire out of control can cause a lot of damage. And that's the illustration that James gives us of our tongue. Under control, it can be good out of control, it can create lots of damage. It affects our relationships. And as we saw from, uh, from Israel, that it can even create a problem between us and God when we go and pursue other gods and worship other gods. Because the God we worship is a jealous God. And this is one of the reasons why I want to revisit this idea today. Because the tongue is important. It shouldn't be something that's be uh, taken lightly. Uh, the tongue is something that we should, as Christians, desire to control. We ought to think uh, before we speak. But really what we want to do today is we want to look at how can we use our lips, our tongues, our speech, to bring God glory. And so today, as we start this, the very first thing we want to look at is prayer. All right? Christian Pray. Christians ought to pray. This is one way in which we bring God glory when we pray. And notice here in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. All right? So the very first point today under that, or first sub-point under that idea of Christian praise, if we are suffering, go to the Lord in prayer. Go to the Lord in prayer. And so James here, the people that he's writing to, these people are really suffering. 
It's, it's not that, um, that they have high gas prices. I, I know that's the thing that uh, every time we go driving all the way down to Southern California and coming back, I was like, oh, man. So we just kept driving until we found something that was lower than a lot of the other gas stations. But that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about suffering. The people were really suffering in, in the book of James. And so r- just a reminder of who James is writing to. And so this is chapter 1, verse 1. Jesus, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Now, what is happening here? Well, there's some, some serious persecution happening. And, and the early church has been scattered. The, the persecution has happened. People have left their homes and their jobs, and they have gone to a different place. They're like refugees. So these people are persecuted. These people are displaced. These people are poor because a lot of them left with whatever they could carry. And because these things are happening, it's caused a lot of stress in the church. And so there is actually in, like, inward fighting within the church. And so when we think about the people that James is writing to and the fact that he says, if you're in these situations, pray. It's a reminder to us. Recently, I've been getting a lot of uh, scam calls. But I'm not going to answer it for your benefit. <laughs> All right, we're back. I felt it vibrating on my wrist, and I was like, someone's sending me a text message. And then I saw eyes go up there. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I think I could do this. There you go. Do not disturb. So what was I saying? They were dispersed. All right, so these people were going through a lot of persecution. It was more than uh, gas prices. Uh, These people have lost jobs. They have lost health. They have lost their relationships. Uh, They were going through a lot. And so James is saying here that God is big enough for our problems. God is big enough for our problems. So don't worry about praying for things that you think that maybe are too big for God. I shouldn't pray about that. It's too big for God. No, we stop and we pray about those things. But not only the big problems, but also the small problems. Let me share with you um, a little story that happened to us uh, last, I guess, last Friday. So we were on our way uh, down to Southern California. And uh, we, when we started off our trip, it said that we were supposed to be uh, there at our hotel at 8 o'clock, a little bit after 8. And, and so you know as you're driving, you stop for gas, you stop for, to go to the restroom, you stop for food. And so after all that was done, it said that we were supposed to be there about 9 o'clock. And so I figured, yeah, that's about right after our stops and everything, about 9 o'clock. But then as we're continuing down the road, all of a sudden our GPS says, now 9.30. And I was like, ah, now 10 o'clock. Ah, now 10.15. I'm like, ah. And so my wife is keeping an eye on it. And the girls are, my, my youngest, my, my second grader is like, I don't understand how this is happening. Are, did, we, did we go the wrong way? <laughs> is that, no, no, it's just because of traffic. It ended up being about, it said that we were supposed to be there about 10.38. Now that is uh, different than when we left, and it said it was supposed to be 8 o'clock. And, and so uh, my wife uh, said, well, maybe we should pray about that. And, and to me, I'm thinking, well, this is, a, this is like a small prayer. I mean, it's, it's insignificant, I and mean, we're just traveling. It happens when you travel. She says, anybody want to pray? And so uh, my oldest says, yeah, yeah, I'll pray. And so my oldest prays, and I am not, I'm not joking. You can ask my wife. You can ask all of my girls. After she prayed, not moments later, we watched the GPS. 10, 15. 10 o'clock, 9.30, I'm telling you, moments later, that happened. Now, to me, I thought, this is an insignificant thing. It's traffic. It's a part of life. 
But you know, it was an opportunity to grow my faith and to grow our girls' faith and to really show again God's love and care. Of course, we prayed for safety on the way there and the way back. That's a bigger prayer. And uh, he gave us uh, safety on the way there and the way back. But he did answer that small prayer of just lightening up the traffic so that we could get there. And what time did we get there? We got there about 9.08. And so it was, it was a truly, a truly a blessing. And so I tell you that story because sometimes in life we think we can only pray for the big things. But really we should take all of our prayers. We often think about the big things because we remember that God can handle the big things. But we ought to remind ourselves that God can also handle the small things. And that He cares for us. That He desires to have a relationship through us in prayer. And one way that we can give Him glory is by having a relationship with Him in prayer. But there's a second point under this idea of prayer, and this is when you are sick, seek prayer from others. And, and so you notice here in verse 14, is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so first of all, uh, notice if there's anyone sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them. So the second idea is the idea of, you know, let other people know so that they can pray for you. So notice this word sick here. And so is anyone among you sick? And so what is this idea of sick? Is this like a headache? Is this a, a backache? Is this a, a, hurt, a hurt shoulder? Uh, what exactly are we talking about here? Well, in the context here, we're talking about someone that is seriously sick, like in bed sick. And so how do we know that? Well, we know that from some of the descriptions. And so let them pray, notice, over him. That's the idea that the, the, uh, the elders, the, the church leadership there is standing over the individual. Let them pray over him. And then in the very next verse, it says this. And the prayer of faith shall save the one who is sick, and the Lord will, notice, raise him up. And so again, the idea is someone that is seriously sick and someone that is given health. They're able to get back onto their feet. And so here, as, as James is writing, he says, you know what, we ought to share those requests with others. And, and again, notice here in verse 14, who is to call on the elders? Well, it's the one who is sick. And I, I have to point this out. Let him call for the elders. If we don't know you're sick, we don't know how to pray for you. And sometimes individuals, they get sick, and they don't tell the church, and, and we can't pray for you. Or maybe they get so sick, they go into the hospital and we don't even know about it until after the fact. And it's like, oh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago I was in the hospital. And it's like, what? Oh, yeah, I had this thing and I was in the hospital for several days. What? And we miss those opportunities to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I encourage you, when you have needs, let the church know. Because one of the ways which we give God glory is not simply praying for our needs, one of the ways that we give God glory is by praying for other people's needs. And if we don't know about your need, we can't pray for you. So how? Well, how do you get, how do you get prayer? Well, you can, you can call Wilton Bible Church and let them know I have a prayer request. You could say, it's a private prayer request. Uh, if, you, if you would just share it amongst the leadership, we could pray for that. Or you say, if I would like the prayer team to pray for it, but don't publish it, okay, we'll do that. We'll, we'll send out an email to our, our prayer chain, and they won't send it out anywhere else. We won't put it in the bulletin. It'll be private, but it'll go out to our church. You say, I don't care. Who knows? And then we'll put it in the bulletin, and we'll share that with our church. And so there's several ways that you can share prayer requests. You can give us a call. You can send us an email 
That's uh, the prayer chain at Wilton Bible Church, or not the prayer chain, but just prayer chain at wiltonbible.com, and that'll get to us. And so we want to, to pray for you. Now, as I bring up this topic, I should be clear this morning that what we are not talking about is faith healing. All right, we're not talking about faith healing. I am not saying that if you have some um, physical problem, if you have some health problem, call in the church. We want to come lay hands on you and do some faith healing so that you might be restored. I know that there's a lot of of churches these days that are are selling that propaganda that that, uh, they can do faith healing, but that's not the faith healing that we see in the early church. In the early church time, the faith healing that we see is like people that had never walked in their life jumped up with joy. They picked up their stuff and they walked away. That's stuff that we don't see today. Literally in the, in the New Testament church, I'm sorry, in the early church, we see people that were, had withered hands, hands that were not completely formed. And, and their hand was restored. And as they looked at their hand, they looked at someone else's hand, it was just like their hand. I mean, in the New Testament, in the early church, there were people who were literally dead, and they came back to life. That's not the type of healing, faith healers that we see today. If that was the type of faith healers that we saw today, we would have seen them all over the news during the pandemic. We would have seen them in the hospitals and on the streets. They would have been in New York trying to heal people, or I should say healing people, if they truly had that power. But instead, you know what the news reported? That a lot of those faith healing groups pulled out of the hospitals during the pandemic. And so, what I am talking about today is not faith healing. Because really, I believe any healing that happens must come from God. I do believe that God answers prayer. And because God answers prayer... God is able to heal individuals. And again, we see this in the very next verse. So notice again, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. All right? It's not the individual. It's not the leadership. It's not the elders. It is the Lord that will raise that person up. So we're not talking about faith healing today. We're talking about God giving strength and healing in people's life through prayer. So let us know. If you, are pray- if, you, if, you, if you have a need, let us know so that we can pray for those things. And so very simply, what is prayer? What is prayer? Prayer is partnering with God to accomplish His will. That's what prayer is. So again, very simply, what is prayer? Prayer is partnering with God to accomplish His will. All right? That's what prayer is. Prayer is not accomplishing John's will. Prayer is not accomplishing your will. Prayer is about accomplishing God's will. And we see this. All right? And so we see this in the Lord's Prayer. As as Jesus instructs His disciples, He says this in Matthew 6. And we'll just look at verse 9 and 10 for the sake of time. And it says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The idea is worship. And then in verse 10 it says, Your kingdom come, notice, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not may my will be done on earth, but instead may your will be done on earth. And we see this really demonstrated by Jesus Christ. And so in Jesus Christ, he's praying in in the garden. This is before his his crucifixion, before his arrest and crucifixion. And notice what he prays. He says this, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Notice, again, this in the context of prayer. Nonetheless, not as I will, but as you 
will. This is prayer demonstrated for us. It's not about our will through prayer. It's about God's will through prayer. And so as we think about prayer, prayer is accomplishing God's will. Now, how does all that happen? God's a good God. Because God knows everything, right? And he does everything perfectly. And yet, he uses our prayer to accomplish his will on earth. And so we ought to pray. We ought to pray for ourselves. We ought to pray for one another. And not only for our needs, but really just to have fellowship with God. And so really the first way, if, if, if our question is, how can our lips bring God glory? The first way is our lips can bring God glory by praying to God. Making our requests known to God. Our personal request and our request for others and simply having that fellowship with our Creator. I'm looking at my second point here. Christian E. Thankful. That should be be thankful. Christian, be thankful. And we get this from uh, James 5.13. It says this. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Let him sing praises. And that word cheerful is that idea of encouragement or optimism, all right? And so, uh, this word here, cheerful, is the idea of encouragement or optimistic, okay? So, you are looking for the bright, the sunny day. And this, uh, just to demonstrate this, Paul uses the same Greek word here in Acts 27, 22, and he says this, uh, yet, not I, uh, yet, now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only for the ship. And this is when uh, the ship was sinking, everyone was worried, and uh, Paul kind of calms everybody down, and he says this, take heart. It's the same idea, the same Greek word, the idea of encouragement, or be optimistic, be cheerful about this. And we wouldn't necessarily be cheerful about a boat sinking, but be cheerful that no life will be lost. So take heart, be encouraged be optimistic. No life will be lost, only the boat. And so when we think about the gifts that we receive, we have to be thankful for those. When we receive gifts, you can either look at it as, I didn't want that gift. Or we can look at it as, I'm thankful I received a gift. <laughs> There's nothing more humiliating, or imagine, because I, I don't think my girls have ever done this, but, but imagine your kids, and imagine that your parents, their grandparents, gave them a, a gift, maybe a birthday gift, maybe a Christmas gift, and um, as they gave them a gift, your child opened up that gift and said, well, this is stupid. You'd be mortified if that happened. Well, this is stupid. And they kind of tossed it aside. That's not what I wanted, Papa. You'd be mortified if that happened. But you know, sometimes that's how Christians treat God. Because God has given us blessings and gifts from above. And sometimes we look at those blessings and those gifts and we look at what we don't have instead of what we do have. And we say things like, that's not what I wanted. God, why didn't you do this instead? And so as we think about this idea of prayer, we want to be, have the mindset really we're thinking about God's will, and God does things right and perfectly, that He cares for us and He cares for His creation. And not to forsake, not to throw away the gifts that He has given to us. But instead, really, to have a, a thankful heart. A thankful heart. So we should be thankful, we should be thankful as Christians. 
And so notice here, and again, this is uh, Christ as, as, he, as he is praying uh, in, in, the, uh, in the garden there, that when he hung on the cross, he wasn't kind of shaking his fist at his father saying, how could you, dad? How could you put me on the cross? But instead, as, right before he entered this, this really trying time in his life, he stopped and he prayed to his father, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And sometimes in life, good things happen. And we say, praise God, good things happen. I reached into my pocket today and I found a $20 bill. That's great. And then there's some times where you reach into your wallet and you go, I lost a $20 bill. I don't know where that went. I don't know if I dropped it somewhere or if I spent it and I don't even realize I spent it. And so there's always two ways to look at a situation. And those people that always look at what they don't have live very sad lives. They're always depressed. I don't have, I don't have, and I don't have. Those people who are thankful often live joyful lives. Because their focus is not on what they don't have, but I'm so thankful that I have. And they look at those things. And so really as we think about our words and our lips and our mouth, how do we respond to God and his blessings? Do we say, thank you, God. Thank you for your blessings. And Lord, even when I go through trials and hardships, Thank you for not leaving me, even though, Lord, maybe at times I'm tempted to leave you. And sadly, there are Christians today that have left the church because somewhere along the line, life has hurt them. And because life has hurt them, they think God has hurt them. And if God has hurt them, then God is no longer reliable because God did not accomplish my will. And so they leave the church. They leave the Lord. And so that's very hard. And so sometimes in life we have to say, even if I don't understand Lord, thank you for going with me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for caring for me. Even if I don't understand, I know you are a good God. Thank you. And so there's things that we can be thankful for. Matter of fact, Paul says this, as, as thinking about the word of Christ, it says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. And truly, that's where our worship should come from out of a heart of thanksgiving. God has done so much for us. May we praise Him out of a heart of thanksgiving. So number one, how can our lips bring God glory? Well, we can pray. Second of all, we can give thanks. We can be thankful. Number three, today we can, as Christians, we can confess our sins. Confess your sin. So notice here in, in verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he committed sins, he will be forgiven. And so, notice again that this man is sick. This is the man that is sick in bed. And really, there are several reasons why sickness happens in the world today. Number one, it's because ca Satan causes sickness. All right, we see this in, in, in the story of Job. All right, uh, Satan went and, and talked to God and said, are these certain things that I could do to Job? And and, and God said, you can do these things, but you can't touch him. And then a little bit later on, he said, you can do these things and you can touch him, but you can't take his life. And so, so Job had these hardships and, and these, these sicknesses because Satan placed those on him. But not only that, when we look into the New Testament, we see some of the same things. That some of the people that were demon-possessed, they were sick. 
Because Satan and demons were, were impacting their life. They were making them sick. Matter of fact, this is what Acts 10.38 records for us. It says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And so, as Jesus went around, he healed And some of those healings were removing demons from people's lives so that they could be fully restored. And so sometimes sickness in the world is is because of of Satan. Sometimes sickness is in the world is just because we live in a fallen world. Our bodies break down, our bodies die. That's the fact of living in a fallen world. The reason why there's disease and sickness that results in death is because of sin. It's part of the curse. The reason why people die today is because there is sin in the world. We live in a fallen world. That means if you have a headache, that means it is, it's probably not triggered by Satan. All right? It's probably just because we live in a fallen world. Or maybe because you took a Slurpee and you slurped it down too quickly and you got a brain freeze. Or maybe Slurpees are from Satan. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you know, some things are just because we live in a fallen world. People get sick. People die because we live in a fallen world. And so, first of all, Satan can cause sickness. Second of all, sickness happens because we just live in a fallen world. That's just part of who we are because we have sin. We all die There's a third aspect that is true in Scripture. Sickness can be a result of sin. And that's what's happening actually in our passage here. That the reason why the leaders of the church have come to pray for this individual is because they are not sure if their sickness is a result of of, uh, maybe some type of demonic thing. They're not sure if it's just the fact that they live in a fallen world and, and people get sick or if it's a result of sin. And as a result of sin, that's why you would call the leadership of the church to come and pray for them that that sin may be resolved and they might be restored. You say, well, do you see this other places in the Bible? And yes, we do. Matter of fact, Paul talks about this. And so uh, we're very familiar with uh, these couple of uh, verses here. This is every time we come to the Lord's Supper, we read this. It says this, Whoever therefore eats of the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the, blood, the, concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, so he eat and drink of the cup. Normally we always stop there when we're, ever, when we're doing the Lord's Supper. And we take an opportunity to... To examine ourselves. But notice what Paul says moving forward here. In verse 19, this is the very next verse. He says this, For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. All right? So there is this idea that we can bring judgment upon ourselves. And then notice here in verse 30, And this is why many of you, and who is he talking to? He's talking to Christians. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. And so Paul believed that some of the sickness in the church was a result of sin. And so if Paul believed that and, and God inspired that and preserved that for us today, I'd have to say I believe that too. Sometimes there's sickness inside the church because of sin. Now again, not if you have a headache or you're sick or you're going through some health problem, that it is a result of sin, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it could be a result of sin. Only you know. And so oftentimes it is just because we live in a fallen world, because we get older and our bodies begin to break down, because there are diseases and sicknesses in the world, and we catch them. All right, because we have a headache does not mean that we did something wrong. But at the same time, it could be maybe we're having a headache because we did something wrong. 
because we sinned against the Lord and the Lord's trying to get a hold of us. And we shouldn't push back on that because the Lord only chastens His children. And so if God is doing something in your life to get a hold of you and your heart and your mind, it is because He loves you and He cares for you and He wants that relationship to be restored. And so that's what is, is covered here. Therefore, confess... Let's see, did I skip some? No. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So the next point is that not only uh, should we um, talk to the Lord in, and as we think about these sicknesses as a result of sin, that we should ask for that forgiveness, but that really... When necessary, we should also talk to other people. This is the right way in which we should confess sin. Number one, we should always confess sin first to God. Because that's ultimately the person that we have wronged. All right? Sin means anything that goes against God. All right? Not necessarily anything that goes against our spouse or our kids. And so sin should ultimately be recognized before God. That's the first person that we go to. And then second, may we go to the people which we have offended. So let me illustrate that again this morning. So Bob lost his temper, and he yelled at his son. And so God's working in Bob's heart, and and so God convicts Bob that that was the wrong attitude to have towards his son. So you know the right process of confession? First of all, we go back to God. Bob says, Lord, the way that I reacted to the son you gave me was not right. Please forgive me. Lord, help me to be a better father in the future. Help me to be patient and loving. Help me to have those fruits of the Spirit. Help me, not to, be, uh, help me to be slow to anger and not fast to be angry. And so he, he talks to the Lord, but then he goes back to, to his son. He says, son... The way that I reacted was wrong. Will you forgive me? There's two reasons why that is important. One, talking to God is extremely important, saying, will you forgive me? Number two, talking to our kids says, you know what? I'm not perfect, and I know you're not perfect. And there's times in which I'm going to need to say, God, forgive me, and I'm going to have to ask you to forgive me. In the same way, there's going to be times in your life you're going to have to say, God, forgive me. You're going to have to ask someone else to forgive you. And so this is the idea that is being stated here in in James, this idea of of sharing those, those sins with others. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so the idea is when there's wrong things that happen between individuals, we first go to God And then we fix those things between others. Forgiveness always starts with God and then moves down to the person that we have offended in the proper way. And so private sins should remain private between you and God. Public sins should be between you, uh, God, and others as fitting to the situation. When we confess our sins to God... We are put back into a right right relationship with Him. We never lose our salvation, but we do lose our close relationship with the Lord. And so, sin will keep us from having a close relationship with the Lord. Sin will keep us, prevent us. We will be bound by it. And that close relationship we desire with God won't be there if we hold on to sin unrepented sin in our life and so that last idea here is is one way that we give god glory is by going back to god and saying god i messed up and you know what god's not surprised he's not like what you messed up no he says you know what my son my daughter i know and i forgive you And you're put back into that right relationship with him. That close relationship with your creator and your savior. So remember Christians, our lips have the power to build up and to encourage. But they also have the power to break down and tear down relationships.
If we are to use our lips to bring God glory, we must use our lips to first pray. Use our lips in the way in which has fellowship with God. Pray for our needs. Pray for others' needs. Use our lips to give thanks. Use our lips to praise the Lord from a thankful heart. And number three, confess our sins. God desires to have a close relationship with us. And when we have sin that we're holding on to, that close relationship is broken. When we confess those sins, that close relationship is put back together. And so our lips can bring Him glory. Glory through prayer, glory through thanksgiving, and glory through confession. So may we use our lips to bring God glory. Lord, we do thank you for not uh, giving up on us. Lord, thank you for your grace. Lord, as we think about the tongue, uh, many of us could testify of, of times in our life where we said things that we wish we could have taken back, things that maybe we did not mean, things, things that we never expected would come out of our mouth but did come out of our mouth. And Lord, we know that our tongue is deceitfully wicked, that our heart is deceitfully wicked, and, and that's where our speech comes from. But Lord, we also know that you are in our life, and you are changing our life, and that we can have victory in our life because we have the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, help us to use the fruit of the lips to bring you glory. First of all, because you are worthy of our praise, you and you alone. But second of all, Lord, as we use our lips, may we lift high your name in prayer. May we come to you in fellowship. May we praise you, but also ask of you, ultimately realizing that it's not our will to be done, but your will. But also, Lord, help us to be thankful that no matter how things turn out, that we would realize that every gift that we have comes from you, every good and perfect gift, every blessing. Help us not to focus on the things that we don't have, but help us to be joyful for the things that we do have. Lord, thank you for not giving up on us, even though sometimes we may be tempted to give up on you. And Lord, lastly, when we do fall into sin, Lord, help us to come back to you to ask for that forgiveness, to restore that close relationship. Help us to walk closely with you. And Lord, when it is appropriate, help us also to seek out forgiveness from others. That ultimately we ask forgiveness of you, but then restore, restore those relationships with, with people in this, on this earth. And so help us, Lord, to bring you glory using our lips. In Jesus' name. Amen.